Hello and welcome to this edition of the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I'm Isabel Piquer at the ILO in Geneva, and today we're going to talk about how micro and small enterprises, MSCs, can go digital. How can they do it and how can they afford it? Over the past decades, markets have become more interconnected, digital products and services have mushroomed around the world, and digital innovations have helped to improve productivity and competitiveness. But a significant segment of the global economy has remained largely excluded from the benefits of the digital revolution. Micro and small enterprises, MSCs, tend to be under-digitalized and may struggle to fully exploit the opportunities afforded by digitalization. This is a problem, given that MSCs play a critical role as creative of jobs, and because digitalization is an important driver of growth. To talk about this, our guest today is Dr. Sandy Chong, who has a long track record of helping small enterprises with digitalization. She runs her own consultancy firm based in Singapore and Australia, Verity Consulting. Hello, Sandy, and thank you for being with us today. Hello, Isabel. Lovely to be here. Um, so, Sandy, uh, the first, the, the biggest challenge for many firms seems to be the first step. So when companies come to you for advice, what is the first thing they say? So there are lots of factors. Usually they tend to be either internal or external or both. So internal factors that are propelling them to digitize is because they feel like they're losing competitiveness. Um, they need more efficiency. They need better productivity. External factors could be the fact that they've read somewhere or they've heard somewhere that there are some incentives, uh, particularly during this COVID time, the government is giving incentives like programs or even covering some of the consultancy fees or even some of the technology transition uh, costs to help companies to step up or to advance a little bit. So there are a combination of a few things, whether it's something that the owner has been wanting to do it for a long time, but hasn't got the time to explore it, or maybe didn't have the skills within to explore it. Or it could be the fact that the landscape is moving so fast, it's so competitive, if you're not doing it, then you're going to lose out. So those are the two compelling reasons why people come to us. And what's the entry point for the digital transition? What's the first thing they do? So in the beginning, it's always about um, wanting to reduce cost or expand their revenue. So they want to reach out to more people. And, and particularly at Verity Consulting, a lot of the work that we do with governments uh, are to help companies to grow internationally. So the kind of clients uh, that come through to us could be uh, people who wanted to sell their products overseas or look for a worthy partner to partner up with so that their products can then be distributed in those markets. But they're wondering how should they do it. Um, the most basic thing is to have a website. But even having a website like an international calling card is not good enough. Um, can people interact with you? Can people find out more information about not just your products and prices, but um, your company's ethos, your company's vision, uh, whether you're a good corporate citizen and all sorts of things. So that's just the entry point. Um, that's the beginning of everything. So they wanted to originally come in and say, we wanted to expand our market to, uh, and then having a look at their internal system, like, oh, actually, I need to have better database management or maybe even more sophisticated as in like, we have so many suppliers and we have so many just-in-time 
inventory system, procurement, and also production, we need SAP. Um, so those are just some of the, the, the common questions that are, or common need when people come to us. And, and what do you tell them? I mean, do they, can they do it on their own or do they have to uh, go through another company? Uh... So basically, uh, when they've been sent to us, most likely they, they actually made some inquiry through the government. For example, in Singapore, all consultants have to be accredited by the government in order to help SMEs responsibly. So most SMEs will go to the government for advice and then they then have access to this list of consultants who can help them. Some inquiries are very technical related. So what kind of system do they need to have? What kind of training do they require to something slightly more strategic? Like um, how do we prepare ourselves from overseas? Are our current system efficient enough? Uh, what do we require in, in terms of digitizing? Say, for example, if you are a transportation company that transport kids from zone A to zone B, different schools, yeah? Um, it could be something simple as, look, I no longer want to have any more fleets because I want to make it more environmentally friendly, but I would like to be able to manage these fleets by having my own app, right? Or it could be something as simple as, look, I would like to sell my products now overseas. How do I have an e-commerce platform? So a lot of times our company will help clients to identify what, why are they doing this? Who are they up against? What are the markets they're trying to enter and how can we use e-commerce or digitization to help them achieve that? And in this analysis, I imagine that the COVID-19 crisis has been a big game changer, right? Because yes. accelerating digitalization, because suddenly they found themselves uh, not being able to do uh, the work they did uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, we see, I mean, in my consultancy, both in Australia and Singapore, we're seeing this massive surge of people really needing help and trying to get assistance to step up. So um, even for Singapore, the Singapore government for the last two years have been giving out a lot of grants, a lot of financial assistance. Uh, same thing here in Australia, too. But I, I see that time and time again, the, the biggest challenge that SMEs are facing is, you know, how do we finance this digitization? Some of them are aware that they need to get this sorted out by, say, the end of the year or beginning of the year, but they have no idea that there are these financial assistance, these grants available out there. And even if they are, they don't know, you know, what it encompasses. And some of them were even very skeptical. For example, the Office of Multicultural Interest in the Western Australian government, I think in, in June 2020, was giving out grants to help migrants community so people who couldn't speak english really well but wanting to reach out to the world uh, and basically sell their product a little bit better across states or out in the borders and that particular package is entirely free so people can come and they can get the training on how do you actually set up a website and more importantly what should you be updating and what are the kind of information that people like to see during this really um, challenging times And after that, it is followed by, say, a two-hour coaching session, free of charge, paid or all paid for by the government. But a lot of these SMEs that signed up, they went to the training and they weren't sure if the consultancy bid was paid. So they were worried, like, do I have to pay for your advice? I said, no, it's covered by the government. Take advantage of it. Show me your website and show me any kind of challenges that you have with regards to digitizing, and then we can advise you from there. So... The lack of knowledge is one thing. The lack of um, knowledge of options out there is another thing. Um, and of course, 
you know, this this is not just the financial assistance. A lot of it has also got to do with internal, like, as I mentioned before. The owner has to be ready for it. They have to also have the right corporate culture to to transit, and also the the kind of customers that that require uh, now ordering online, receiving the products online, and basically getting reorders online. Have you considered all that? Uh, I think these these are really interesting things uh, for people to consider when they they want to look at digitization. Some people have no idea how to build their shop. And then they were saying that, look, you know, I can't just depend on the domestic market. Uh, how do I attract buyers from overseas? How can I engage my customers online more effectively? And if I sell services, you know, you know, what if my clients are B2B? How am I going to do that effectively online? And how do I drive sales? And how do I, you know, get all these reviews and share this socially? And how do I track my success online? So all these are some of the key questions that, you know, needs addressing before people can then move forward and say, okay, this is what I need to do. Um, this is where I need to get data. And this is where I need to get marketing. And this is where I need to get the right platform and backend support. So we're talking more than digitalization. We, we're talking about a complete change of the culture of the company. Yes. And uh, and, and also one of the, there is economic burden. So how many, how, how much is going to cost and exactly. how to access uh, th- those help. But there's also the challenge of, of training the employees to hmm. new technology. Absolutely, because otherwise it's going to be very resistant. I mean, I've seen this time and time again with a lot of my clients, whether they are childcare service company or a transportation company or a chocolate manufacturing firm. You know, obviously, as a CEO, you're always trying to balance revenue and, and cost. And you can definitely see the efficiency and the sustainability factor when you digitize. But the problem is, what if you have employees who have been with you for over 20 years? They are loyal. They're good at what they do but they're just resistant using new technologies, right? So what do you do with that? And a lot of people couldn't get their head around it, and that's where conflicts happen. Another key challenge is, is also because technology is very much sometimes associated with jargons like big data, digital marketplace, platforms, industry 4.0, online marketing, internet things, and all these are just really overwhelming for people to understand what it means. Yeah, it can be a little scary exactly. for these company. But when you when you narrow it down or when you you know try and filter it down to what this means for us, what this means for people, how can we actually accommodate our changing needs and the customers' changing needs and how can we see this as a new business model, then it will be easier for your employees to buy into this. They're not gonna say, Oh my god, this is another tech thing, another fad you know, it's going to change next year. Why should I adopt it? So I think the human factor is something that people really need to be aware of when it comes to digitization. For consultants and for for the employers or the owners, it's straightforward. You want to get better returns. You want to make the, 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 the process a lot more streamlined. Technology is the answer. But the people who are going to, you know, deploy this, the people who are going to handle their customers straight ahead, and people who are going to do day in day out operation are going to be employees. So educating them about this transition is actually extremely important uh, and key to success. Yeah, and you don't want to change too much who you are because that might precisely Absolutely. be uh, your entry point into a, a market where everything is the same. So it's difficult balance there. 
Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And and we're talking, uh, uh, you're mentioning Singapore and, and Australia, so mm. we're talking about countries that are aware of what's happening and, and they give aid. But what about mm. uh, if you want to digitalize in countries where there's not good infrastructure, particularly um, high-speed broadband? I mean, this is like um, almost impossible, right? This is a real issue as well, you know, for developing countries. So then, you know, basically as SMEs or even chambers of commerce, or larger uh, industry bodies, they need to be able to lobby or they need to be able to feedback this information to the government, right? Um, so simple things like agriculture in Malaysia at the Cameron Highlands during the COVID crisis, during the lockdown, the farmers were unable to sell their products because of all these restrictions in logistics and transportation, right? And then they had to dump all their produce due to the storage constraint. And you know, in Singapore, we import a lot of these produce to our country because, again, Singapore doesn't have a lot of land, natural resources. So what these farmers did was they turned to all these e-commerce platform and they sold 70 tons of produce online within three weeks. Wow. So, you know, in, in many ways, a lot of businesses who, who are not even in the tech sector, um, you know, who have never thought of digitization, who never thought that e-commerce can really apply to them, are starting to realize that it was something that they need to look into more seriously. And so, say, if, say, for example, you're the body of agriculture or, you know, primary industry, you know, feedbacking that information to the government and also to the industry chambers is very important so that they can then do something about the infrastructure because the infrastructure is extremely important in order for people to move goods around, in order for people to move and exchange information promptly. So basically, you're in or you, or you don't exist. I mean, it's not, not even a choice right now. Yeah, absolutely. Like, for example, I'll give you another example for Singapore. Uh, for the longest time, uh, I don't know if you've been to Singapore, but we have lots of food courts and hawker centers. It's like one of the charms of being in Singapore. Food is amazing and you can get them really accessibly and very cheaply in, in Asia. And these hawkers, uh, you know, these people who sell these amazing Asian food, before that, there was only 2,000 of them that accept e-payment. All of them just wanted to accept cash, right? Uh -huh. And because of this uh, COVID thing, suddenly there's an explosion of these hawkers adopting e-payment because of, you know, contactless payment, which is good and clean. And, and more importantly, you know, they don't go out of business. So whether people are eating there or taking away, they can now allow people to just buy the stuff and, and pay online. And about 10,000 storeholders in Singapore actually went into this online payment. Before that, it was only 2000 So there was clearly a big jump. And it worked. And it worked. Exactly. It worked. They were happier about it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the thing is that once you've started uh, uh, going digital, uh, you have to keep on going digital. Uh, yes. You have to keep up. You have to uh, upgrade like we all do with our computers. So that also um, is another dimension of the problem because yes. you always have to be there and, and you don't always have the knowledge. So yes, that's, that's another problem for them, right? Yeah. And, and with infrastructure as well, people can be very creative. So you know, if you're not interested in e-commerce, look at mobile commerce. Everyone has a mobile phone. Um, and even before, like 10 years ago, there may be restricted landlines in Vietnam because of all the landmines, but average Vietnamese would have access to mobile phones. So if you can tap into that, where, you know, you have a, you have a population that has a lot of access on social media and they use this mobile phone 
24 hours, they use mobile phone 24 hours seven, then it's a very good way of encouraging people to use these apps and, you know, and, and, and exchange information, pay online or get your accounting sorted online, issuing invoices online. I mean, all that can be done now at our palms using mobile phones. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems that be between COVID and, and new technologies like 5Gs and so on, it's going faster and faster, right? Absolutely. So there's, there's definitely a high uptake of mobile internet access in, in some of these countries. So um, the partnerships is another good way of overcoming some of these challenges. So you know, during this COVID thing, it's all about trying to encourage people to go into partnership, sometimes maybe even with your competitors or with your uh, value chain partners. Another way of doing these kind of partnership is to look at the government and see Are there any platforms out there that requires participation? Um, can the industry or the Chamber of Commerce go to the government and say, look, why don't we co-create some sort of platform to make it easier for people to exchange goods and services? So those are just some of the ideas that um, that can be can be trialed and error. Uh, but I think most important thing is for the government to listen and to consult some of these industry bodies or networks so that they understand what needs to be done to help their businesses Uh, to, to take up digitization and to stay relevant. Yeah, as we were saying before, it's, it's about uh, uh, going into uh, uh, mainstream and, and digitalize yourself, but not losing yourself. I yes. mean, you have to change the culture of your company, Absolutely. but still be who you are, which is also yes. challenging. Yes, very challenging, <laughs> extremely challenging. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, our you. guest today was uh, Sandy Chong, Principal Consultant of Verity Consulting. Uh, please join us again for another edition of the ILO Future of Work podcast. Goodbye.